Welcome one and all to episode 173 of the original Giraffe Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, we are suffering through another bad Monday night football game as the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers look like we're getting close. But every time we say this, you know, it's wrong. But getting close to sticking a fork in, in Tom Brady, which is a miracle in and of itself. But... We don't care about that. We're here to talk about college football and, more importantly, the NFL draft. And and the Final Four is set, man, and, and that gives us something to talk about as we head into college football bowl season. Yeah, I, I it went a little bit differently than what we talked about because um, if you listen last week, I predicted that if both USC and TCU lost, that – the committee would work Ohio State and Alabama in. TCU and, and USC both lost, and Ohio State indeed did get in, uh, thanks to the USC loss, apparently, because TCU's narrow overtime loss was not enough to knock them out, not enough for the committee to um, throw them out altogether and put Bama in. And so TCU actually gets in and doesn't even lose any footing in the rankings. So uh, they ended up being the three seed, which is where they went into the week. And uh, the committee recognized that a narrow loss in a championship game was not enough to uh, to make their entire season invalid, put them in. And I was pleasantly surprised. And the way it works out now is you've got the top two teams are the two undefeated teams. And the third and fourth teams are the only remaining one-loss teams. Group in, of in group of our uh, power five one in the power stars. five, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there don't yell at us. There are other ones, but nobody cares. Um, when you look at this final four, it it feels almost a given, and I know that's tough for you because because your beloved Ohio State Buckeyes made this. Um, but it it feels almost like we're we're on a collision course for Michigan and and Georgia. It might be different if Ohio State and TCU flip spots. You and I talked about this in a in a group text. I I didn't see. I was really interested to see how they ranked Georgia and Michigan if both USC and TCU lost, because I assumed they were going to drop TCU. They didn't, and it is, you know, and so that's how they got around it. But I told you, I didn't think that they were going to let Ohio State and Michigan play in the semifinals. I, I know that it is seems long shot-ish, but they were going to save the rematch for any potential national championship, and then you get, then you just get intriguing games no matter what. Georgia-Ohio State is an intriguing game uh, because it's SEC versus Ohio State. And as as much as it pains you, people will turn out to watch Ohio State lose. So, And that's, what, that's legitimately what they're going to tune in for is to see if Ohio State loses this game. Yeah, um, you'll have people on, tuning in on both sides of that. Um, you have to, on the flip side of that, people remember Ohio State you know, Ohio State fans remember being a big underdog as the fourth seed in 2014 and shocking Alabama and then ultimately getting um, to play Oregon in the national championship and, and winning it that year. 
Uh, so that's where that's the flip side of that. But regardless, this is going to be a huge, huge draw, as it would have been if it was Ohio State Michigan rematch. I don't think the committee or the network loses anything in in Ohio State Georgia matchup. That no, was, I just I just think that it, like the Georgia Bama one a couple of years ago, the the potential of an a rivalry in the national championship game like that obviously georgia michigan is is going to be a huge draw no matter what but um ohio that's state match of, of last year's playoff game first right. round right and so ohio's but ohio state michigan could very well be one of the most watched college football games of all time if it ends up being the national championship game and we're not dismissing tcu i'm i'm just giving credence to ohio state for my friend justin and I mean, now you've got this uh, Michigan TCU matchup that's going to be happening. That's the early game on New Year's Eve, and, and that's not shocking. They, I mean, that's even if TCU wins, even if there's an upset, it's the least, the less intriguing of the two games to to the the lay public. Like again, people, Ohio State fans will tune in to see if Ohio State can slay another SEC dragon. And again, the vast majority don't have issue with Georgia outside of maybe, you know, Florida or Georgia Tech or those schools, maybe Bama now. Um, But a lot of people will tune in to see if Georgia can kick Ohio State's ass. Like that's that's something that I – and I get it. I mean, everybody tunes in to watch Notre Dame lose. Everybody tunes in, you know, to watch – back in the day when Miami was was falling off and, and Florida State, like those teams that are perennial uh, contenders, people enjoy watching them lose. And, and, you know, you were talking about it before. That's, you know, that's one of the big things. And in a podcast I listened to actually talked about why the NFL is so bad right now is because there's no real villains in the NFL. Um you know, for so long you had everybody trying to beat the Patriots and Tom Brady. There's no villains because Tom Brady's turned out to be this likable guy in Tampa Bay. You've got He's 45 do- years old. Right. You got dopey Josh Allen in Buffalo. You've got, you know, aw shucks, Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. I there's really no villains and and you know, the Bengals thing is always just cute, right? Like <laughs> There's Russell Wilson, but but uh, but he sucks. Not any good, so. Right, and so and so that's the thing. So in college football, your villain and and you know you talked about it beforehand. The, your villain is Ohio State. I mean, they're they're the villain now um, because people it, will look at it as oh they don't Bama, deserve to right yeah right but, but they're but not yeah, in yeah I see what you're saying. And so that's the thing is you tu- you tune in to watch the villain go down right. and that's that's what i mean that's what it's going to be but tonight's show is going to be about well the the guys that make up the villains and and the heroes in this final four and and the draft prospects and there's a lot we're not going to go through every single one but some of the names to know and guys that can kind of stamp themselves we're going to start with ohio state um obviously it's it's starts with cj stroud uh, you and I have voiced our concerns. You can go back and listen to the episodes where we talked about Stroud and why we don't see him as the, you know, slam dunk player one. 
And if he is quarterback one in this class, then maybe it's just not a great class, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we don't have to rehash the, the concerns about Stroud. But one thing, um, you know, I, I think this is a situation where if he if they hadn't made the playoff, he probably doesn't play the bowl game. The way he talked after the Michigan game, and I think we talked about it on Patreon last week, but he sounded like a guy who's made up his mind, who's going to the NFL. And now the fact that they're in the playoff, I think, breathes some new life. It's a redemption, a chance for redemption, not just for the head coach, Ryan Day, who's lost two in a row to Michigan and has lost a lot of goodwill among the, the fan base, but also for Stroud, who, who had a step back, took a step back this year after his performance last year. And you saw his completion percentage dip. The uh, he just threw the ball a lot less. They ran the ball a lot more on offense. Uh, still had a lot threw a ton of touchdowns and and had a low number of interceptions. He doesn't turn it over that much. Um, but this is a chance for him to go out and show that that it was a that his good performances are not flukish. And one of the stats that we saw over the weekend is when you look at uh, I think it was record against. Defenses that were ranked in the top twenty. Um, CJ Stroud's three and one in those games. The loss being to Michigan this year. So Ohio State did play some tough defenses. Stroud came through. I mean, we're talking quarterback wins here, but I actually don't think he has much to lose playing this game. But I think he has something to gain if he can go out there and uh, really perform at a high level against this Georgia D. We know they can fly around the football and they're just they're going to be so tough. They're so well respected if a quarterback can go out there and move the ball, move his team and and if Ohio State makes it a close one or even pulls off a crazy upset, I think there's something to gain for Stroud because I think people got a little bit tired of him as a top prospect and really let their eyes wander to other quarterbacks all throughout the year. We heard a lot of other names as as potential quarterback one when it seemed like it was Stroud's to lose coming into the season. And uh, he's got a chance to, to regain some of that momentum. You want to mute Seth? Yep. Go ahead and take a <laughs> shot. Uh, next, uh, we'll stay on offense for the Buckeyes real quick. And, and next on the list for them is Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's already bowed out of the college football playoffs. Um, you're not surprised by this. He's He's been unable to get healthy. Um, yeah. You, you, you text us about it. He's he's attempted, a, you know, a, a sort of comeback three times. Um, and, and none of those times he's been able to get back on the field. Uh, unfortunate, but you know he did enough last year to to bring in some goodwill. Probably be a second round pick. Um, you and I talked about the, him a little bit. You know he's a little different than like Jamar Chase was, where Chase just was training and and Smith and Jigba hasn't been able to stay healthy. And I think that's the the biggest difference between the two. Um, you know, and obviously Smith and Jigba is not on the level of Chase. I, I don't mean to say it in that way, but like that's the biggest difference in in the two situations, is that you can't take a Smith and Jigba top five, probably even top ten, right? Because you you don't know what you're getting from him from a health perspective. 
We're going to have to find out what the injury was because I think there's more to it than just a simple hamstring pull at this point. We saw him get hurt against Notre Dame. He tried. He, he took a big hit from uh, their safety, Brandon Joseph. And after the hit, there was something not quite right. He tried to come back in the game. We've been hearing that it's a hamstring pull. It seems to be more than that because twice, in two separate games, he tried to come back. He played a little bit, and then he had to come back out. So I think there was something more to it on that hit. And that's something that's going to come to light during the draft process. But it's not something that college teams tend to release. They don't release injury reports the way NFL teams do. So I think they've been Ohio State's been a little protective of what all is going on with him. But obviously, I, I, I think he's really hurt for him to miss a playoff game. I, I don't think this is something where he's just trying to stay healthy for the draft. I just don't think he's been able to get healthy. So, well, and, and you know, and I get last year, he wasn't a, uh, he wasn't going to be a uh, draft eligible, but I mean, he played last year, so it's not like he's shied away from playing in, um, he shied away from playing in, in bowl games before. It's just like you said, it's probably a health issue. More he than said, he, he said, the doctors aren't clearing him. He said, yeah, he said and, that they said that he won't be ready for the game. So whatever happened to him, maybe he had surgery. We don't know about it. Um, but whatever happened to him, he's saying he's not going to be ready. There's no reason to doubt him because it's hard. Uh, we haven't seen any any marquee name skip a uh, playoff game yet. What's going to be interesting is when it is released, what happened because we will find out. I mean, yeah. Whether or not it's it's right or wrong is a different conversation. We're going to find out what exactly happened to him um, because the NFL will allow it to be leaked by a, a, other agents who are trying to get their their wide receiver prospects in front of uh, JSN. Let's stay on offense just a little bit. Uh, you've got a really intriguing draft eligible guy in Mayan Williams. Um, only 125 carries this year. He's got only 206 carries in his career, but in those 206 carries, you're right around 1,400 yards and 16 touchdowns. Um, He does have another year of eligibility left. Is he a true junior or is he a redshirt junior? Redshirt. Okay, so he's, you know, he's played for three years. He's He's been at Ohio State for four He's shown a lot this year as a runner, especially as a power guy for, you know, the fire plug, 5'8", 225 pounds size. Um, what do you think happens with Williams? He's been banged up too. I, we saw he did not, he, he played a little bit in the Michigan game, but they had to go with uh, Chip Trianum a lot in that game. And he hadn't played running back much at all during the year. He started the year as a linebacker after transferring from ASU. And then um, they had the game before that they, against Maryland, they had to go with the freshman, Dallin Hayden, for the entire second half. So Williams has been banged up as well. It seems like he's got time to get healthy. But again, we don't know the nature of these guys' injuries. I think he, he's been dealing with a knee issue. Uh, we saw Travion Henderson say that he's been playing through broke, broken bone and, and ligament injury in his foot. So that might explain some of the lack of big plays from him this year. So Ohio State's running backs are all banged up. 
And uh, there's not a ton of time to get ready before this playoff game. It's already – we're recording this on December 5th. That game's in 20, 25 days by the time you, you hear this. So that's not a lot of time for some of these guys to get well and still practice. So it wouldn't surprise me if Ohio State um, – you know, I think Williams is probably going to return to school next year because there's probably questions about his – his uh, time speed and his uh, he doesn't catch a lot of passes so the the draft Knicks and the scouts are gonna have questions about receiving ability and his role in the passing game so I, I really feel like he's a guy that's gonna come back next year but I wouldn't be surprised if we see Chip uh, Trianum and and Hayden again as the getting a, a lot of work in this in this playoff game it's gonna be interesting to see how Ohio State game plans for this because they can't just count on guys that have been nicked up all year. Let's just go rapid fire the rest of the offense. Uh, obviously, Paris Johnson Jr. is is likely to go. Somebody we'll talk about um, once he fully declares. Another but guy just, with a lot to gain from this matchup. He's going against a lot of speed on that Georgia D-line. And uh, I, I think Paris Johnson's played well all year. And He's probably earned the right to be the first tackle taken, especially when you look at his competition, Peter Skaronsky, with the question marks about his size and length. Um, and I think he's going to be – and the other – Olaf Fashanu went back to Penn State. He's returned to school. Um, so the only other guy you hear about talked uh, talked about as a top tackle was uh, Broderick – what's his name? The Bro- Georgia tackle. Yeah, Broderick Jones. Yeah, so – yeah, that's and and, uh, and, and you know they're going to be both spot in the spotlight in this game. Cade Stover coming back or going? Stover, I kind of feel like he's going to declare. I think he has has gained a lot of momentum this year. He got used quite a bit. Um, I think the most of any Buckeye tight end since like Ricky Dudley, even though they had have had good tight ends over the years, but. Definitely was more involved in the passing game. He had a shaky end to the season. So this is a good chance for him to step up, but I think he's going to declare. Uh, and then kind of middle of the road, back in the roster receivers, Julian Fleming, Xavier Johnson. Um, I expect Johnson. J- Johnson's in it. I think he's a fifth-year guy. but So maybe he takes advantage of some eligibility, comes back. Um, Fleming, I don't think, will declare. And Fleming's kind of one of those guys we always have on transfer portal watch, so we'll see because they always have receivers coming in. Any anybody else on the offense that deserves just to be mentioned? Uh, probably the center, Luke Whipler. He's got he's um, got eligibility remaining, but some people have been looking at him as a guy who could potentially declare for the draft as well. Defensively, it's not an incredibly strong. Um, group but there are there are some names i i've mentioned one of them uh ronnie hickman he's a junior uh safety he's had a great season six passes defensed and one interception on the season from the safety position just kind of absurd to see uh combine that with his nose for the football and he's he's playing really well uh he's only a junior though do you think he's gonna declare hickman's going to going to declare i think he's already said that Okay, and then yeah. a couple, a couple and interesting. I think he needs a little bit of redemption after that Michigan game, as as do several OSU defensive backs. 
<laughs> a, a couple interesting guys. Um, first one is is Tommy Eichenberg. The the 235 pound linebackers is a senior. Had his best year, um, 112 tackles, 12 tackles for loss, two and a half sacks, an interception, three passes defense. He's he's really turned into kind of the the backbone of that defense, which was a good thing until the Michigan game, right? Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, mean, it was a compliment until the, the Michigan game, I should say. <laughs> right. The defense played really well all year until that, that they just fell apart in the second half against Michigan, particularly the fourth quarter. And they were selling out, and that's why uh, Edwards was able to break those long touchdown runs. Uh, so I think Eichenberg really, he, I think he played, had a great year. And um, I would think that, he, I mean, I think he picked up enough momentum this year that he can declare and be a day two guy. Look at uh, the Buckeyes linebackers recently, Bear Browning and, and Pete Weber, the, or um, not Pete, is that right? <laughs> Pete Warner. Pete Warner. I'm thinking of the bowling guy. <laughs> Pete Warner. <laughs> and uh, Barrett Browning, I think they've outplayed my expectations of what they were going to be going in as uh, draft prospects. So Eichenberg's having a better college career than, than either of those two guys. Uh, both of those guys flashed and, and were great athletes. And they're probably better. They, they're probably going to test better, I think, than Eichenberg will. But he's just got a nose for the ball, and he's just been really he's been the man on the spot against the run all year and, and again until that until the floodgates open late in the game against michigan that defense will play well uh you know you look at this defense and the guy that we've you know just kind of been waiting for to to bust out malik or sorry zach harrison has just not done it six and a half sacks three or six and a half tackles for lost three sacks this year probably his best season since his freshman year. He's a senior. I know there's some tricky eligibility stuff still, but he's he's gone you would feel like, right? Yeah, and I think he'll be I think he'll be drafted fairly early because he is such still, a great athlete. Still top 90. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be he's going to test through the roof and and I think this was his best season. Uh the impact that he had on games that goes beyond the sacks. Because he he made plays. Not only did he have sacks, three forced fumbles on those sacks. So he's you know strip sacks. He had an interception off a batted pass. He had four batted passes of his own. So there's you know four turnovers he's created this year. The four batted passes we talk about that. That's something that's as fun functionally just almost as good as a sack. Um. So he made a huge impact this year. You saw some games. Where he that that Maryland game he won with a walk off sack and there were other games throughout the year that he just he looked great. Um, he was the only guy I felt like making plays against Michigan toward the end. I mean, and he didn't he didn't quit. So he's a guy. I didn't when he first got to Ohio State, I thought he'd be a three year guy. I thought he was going to be the next Chase Young type of statistical leader but he has he's never been that type but he is still a player who can make a great impact and i think he'll put up sacks in the nfl somebody's gonna gonna know what to do with him he's a hard worker and he's a good kid too um we'll go rapid fire again quickly still chambers i think chambers will be back to former running back he, he's played pretty well at linebacker but i think he'll be back next year 
Cody Simon. Yeah, I, I think he'll be back. Javante Jean Baptiste is a, uh, a a senior, but again, tricky. He hasn't, think, you know. I think he's really, coming out this year. Yeah, he hasn't really lived up to the hype, but he's. He should test he, pretty well, though. He'll be a draftable player. Okay, and then um, I think that's really it. Anybody else you want to mention? Well, you've got uh, Teron Vincent, who's also, I think, a fifth-year senior. Um, actually, yeah, he came in in 2018. Uh, son of Troy Vincent. Uh, he's been overshadowed by some of the younger guys, but he's still a guy who gets a lot of snaps on that defense, and he's got the name recognition. So that's somebody that scouts will, scouts know, and they'll uh, look in on it. I think he's probably going to be a day three pick. TCU uh, obviously is led by Quentin Johnston as as a prospect. Uh, we've talked about Johnston. Um, not really much more to say. He's a he's a top three receiver in this class. I don't think anybody questions that. Um, I mean, is there anything you want to add on Johnston? Yeah, he, he had a big game against uh, K State, especially in the first half. He did fumble the ball on a, on a long pass play, but I don't think that really takes away from what he did this year and uh, had a really uh, very good season. But I think he was in the mix for the Bolitnikoff until they narrowed it down to the two finalists, and now I think it's down to Jalen Hyatt and and uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. But Johnston had, uh, after a very slow start, had a great season, really made a believer out of me because I was a skeptic coming in. Let's uh, talk about Max Duggan, um, Heisman finalist, and actually, you know, we'll we'll tease that. We're going to yeah. talk about the Heisman finalist on the Patreon show this week, so uh, make sure you tune in. Uh, let's go to his counterparts, Tay Barber. Uh, I do just no- want to say real quick on Duggan, that guy, <laughs> have you ever seen a guy take just put his whole team on his back like that on that drive that, that they had toward the end of that game when they were making that furious comeback. I mean, what a gamer that dude is. Yeah. And he's, I mean, just put together a spectacular year. It's, it's it's great to see it. Um, Tay Barber is a fifth, sixth, sixth year (laughs) senior. (laughs) One of these seniors, a small guy, I don't know if he's going to get drafted, man. I mean, he's put up the same stats for about three years um, in this offense. He's been consistent, but like it, when you're talking about a thirty and and five six hundred guy um, in, in a in a spread offense like this, I I don't know if he's draftable, especially at five nine, um, you know, and, and one eighty five. He's a slot receiver, so we'll. See. I mean, that's what he projects to. So we'll see where, he, how, how. You know, we need to know how is he going to test. Where is, what's his short area quickness going to be timed out? Which one? Which of these All Star games is he going to get an invitation to? That will give us a little bit better indication of what the NFL thinks about him. Um, Darius Davis is the other slot guy again, similar to to Tay Barber, another fifth, six year senior type um what about what about though the big guy Savion Williams he's a junior he he started the season off really strong the 6'5 212 pound uh receiver you you kind of looked at him and thought oh okay he's gonna be the guy that 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 answers the bell 
he fell off and then over the last about five games he had two big or sorry three you know biggish games um where he popped again what i mean he's gonna come back right or or is this a case where like if dugan and johnson are gone it's probably time for him to go to or do you think he tries to take the mantle I would think he's going to be back, but it's so crazy with the transfer portal. You just never know. Maybe he's a, a transfer guy. If Duggan is, uh, you know, because Duggan's a senior, um, but he, so, many seniors are already coming back. So we'll see what Duggan does. But I think Quentin Johnston's as good as gone. And then that leaves room for, for uh, Saban Williams to become the next go-to guy. So I, I would think he's either back or transfer portal and, going somewhere else in school next year. Their their best running back is a true freshman, I believe, right? Kendra Miller's a true freshman or is he a No. Oh no, no, he's a he's a he's junior. So he's draft yeah. eligible. All right. So 6 foot, 206 pounds. He's been electric this year. He's been electric his entire career at at TCU. Um what are your what are your thoughts on I would expect Kendra Miller to declare. He's got good speed. He had a big season this year, scoring uh, 17 touchdowns and averaging over six yards a carry. He catches the ball a little bit out of the backfield. You don't see a ton of college backs catch big numbers of passes, but he'll catch a pass, uh, one or two passes every game. So they keep him involved in the passing game. Good size, guys, like six foot, uh, 5'11", six foot, probably going to be around 210, 215. I, I like him a lot. Um this is a good running back class. We've we've kind of touched touched on that quite a bit. I think this is a really good running back class. Good, a lot of good backs in college this year. His backup is uh, a Mario DiMarcato, five eleven, about two ten. Um, he's another guy that's kind of been there and produced the in in a similar way. He's actually his highest yards per carry uh, in his career were this year five point two. Which makes you think that he's not draftable, right? No, he he projects probably to the undrafted rounds. I mean, undrafted free agency. Yeah. Anybody else on the offense outside of Dugan, who again we'll talk about it on the Patreon show, two dollars a month for the extra podcast, four dollars a month you get our articles, which have been plentiful in bringing you all the uh, all the prospects to know uh, each and every week. Yeah, no, I don't know any. Uh, we, I don't know any other prospects that they have on offense. I'm probably forgetting somebody obvious. So, uh, tweet at Seth Co- at S Cox FB if, to complain about that. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll check those. Um, defensively, they've done a nice job, uh, kind of getting back to the Gary Patterson, you know, type of defense where they're a little bit better they're they're still not as good um as they were under patterson prospect wise though man oh this is uh this isn't this isn't where you're coming to get a bunch of of draft eligible prospects but they do have uh, a couple corner or or defensive backs that are really really intriguing um first one being travius hodges tomlinson and he he seems to be like one of these guys that they have 
almost every year where they're they're a little undersized, 5'9", 180. Uh, probably slot-only guy. Three interceptions but 11 passes defense. You go through his career, you know, we tend to throw out that, that freshman year if they get some playing time. In seven games in 2020, he had 13 passes defense, which is absurd. Uh, last year in 2021, he had seven passes defense, two interceptions. Again, this year, 11 passes defense, three interceptions. So in in his career, 32 games, um, he has 31 passes defense and five interceptions, which is insane ball production. But size is going to be the biggest question mark for him. Because if he's 5'9", 180, he's got to be an elite athlete, right? For, I mean, he's going to play in the slot unless his arms are super long or unless he, yeah, I mean, he's not going to start out on the outside. Sometimes we see these little guys actually get moved to the outside because they they prove something in a game situation, but that's uh, something they, they're always going to start those guys in the slot. And I think I actually think uh, I wonder if Josh Newton, the other cornerback, and the transfer from Louisiana Monroe is probably more going to be the better prospect. Right, the better prospect, and that's that was the other guy I was going to bring up is yeah. you know he's a fourth year junior, um, fifth but year junior, <laughs> yeah, fifth, yeah, well, yeah, so fifth year junior. He's but he's played four full seasons of football. I assume he's going to come out after the season. I think um, it's so hard to tell with these these eligibility rules, but yeah, he's um, he's played a lot of football, and and this career. year, yeah, and this year at TCU he balled out. I mean, you know, thirteen games, he's got three interceptions, twelve pass breakups. He has an interception return for a touchdown. He was really good last year for Louisiana Monroe too. Um, he had five tackles for loss. So this is a guy who comes up. He can play downhill. He can um, he can cover down the field. So be a player that even if he runs, if he doesn't really run as well as you want him to at corner, you could probably move this guy to safety if you needed to. Uh, Dylan Horton is their probably their best edge guy, um, but. TCU kind of has a has an issue getting these guys. What's the word I'm looking for? I mean, he's not a bad player, but I mean, 6'4", 244, and he's he's a very uh, average production wise guy. Um, if you're six, if you're six four and less than two fifty, you you either have to have high production or you have to test out of this world, right? Yeah, that's usually how it goes. And he was, he had, you mentioned his production, six and a half sacks. He wasn't the leader on the team in sacks. That was uh, D that Winters. Was linebacker yeah. D, D Winters. Yeah. And he's, talk about size. He's even smaller. Yeah. He's six, like six one, one two twenty five. Yeah. So you're not going to, I mean, those, that kind of production in, in the NFL is going to have to come out on a blitz or something like that. So look at, at Horton. Um, and again, this is one of those things where he's he's probably a pretty good athlete. He's bulked up quite a bit from his high school days, about put on about forty five pounds. But you're gonna be looking at is he really six four? How's the arm length? Is it you know, he's gonna those those are the kind of things that differentiate between a guy who's gonna be like a late round flyer or somebody who's who can work their way into um, you know, the latter stages of, of day two. 
So we'll see how this guy tests. It's, it really is, It you know, we could watch the tape all day long, but it's really going to come down to some of those factors. Yeah, and, and you mentioned D. Winters. I mean, another guy that's probably going to declare, again, with these eligibility issues, who knows, maybe they want to come back and play again for a team that's competing for a national title. Um, it, but, I think, and it, it's one of those things, like, if Duggan leaves, the whole thing cascades because – and it's it's hilarious that he didn't even start the season as a starting quarterback. Like he right, and now – instrumental in, like, keeping this team together or everybody going pro. And then – um you know, Jamoy Hodges or Hodge, excuse me, is another one, six two, two hundred and twenty five pound linebacker. That's one thing about TCU is they they produce really productive linebackers, but they're always interesting now. It's not the Gary Patterson defense that we saw, you know, with with productive linebackers who then you have to wonder about how they test. But you're still gonna wonder how they test, um, you know, because we've been fooled by the what was the name, Paul Paul Dawson. Oh, Paul Dawson, Dawson yeah. yeah, and then we uh, weren't they, fooled by him. <laughs> they do have a Georgia transfer uh, that I think we need to mention: Tymone Mitchell, the six-three, three hundred pound defensive tackle, maybe nose guard. Again, another one of these guys that that's listed as a fourth, maybe fifth year junior. Fourth year, uh, yeah, at least a fourth year junior. Yeah, and he's uh, he hasn't played much. He's only played in nineteen games in his in, a, in his college career. Uh, and this was the first year he put up any type of production. Three and a half tackles for loss. Three sacks, though, from that interior. Um, I, again, TCU's a, a wild card in all this stuff because they don't have any sort of uh, tradition to be in this position. So you just don't know what you're going to get out of them. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't they picked, I believe when they were playing Kansas State in the Big 12 championship on Saturday, they said that. Kansas State, and they, these might be reversed, but the, I think they said Kansas State was the fifth, was picked to go fifth in the Big 12, and TCU was picked to go seventh. So there were no expectations with this team. This is the under. This is by far the underdog of this uh, this playing tur- this tournament. You know, this four team playoff. By far the lowest you know rated recruits. The these are the scrappy underdogs. These are like, you know, I'm not saying that the bad news bears. This is a good team, but they're, they're uh, I don't think they're that much different from having, you know, Cincinnati get in last year and Cincinnati actually going into the big 12 here soon. So this is, that's not meant as disrespect at all. Um, it's just, that's the fact you've got all these Georgia and Ohio state and Michigan especially Georgia and Ohio State are stocked with four and five star guys. Michigan's not too far behind them and, and TCU's really uh the underdog story here. They've got some definitely got some stars, but it's uh they've got a long uh they're a real long shot to me. And it'd be it'd be amazing if to see them win. And I'm not saying that just because they're playing Michigan. I'm just in general, it'd be amazing to see them get into a position to potentially win a national championship. I personally don't think they're going to, but Michigan uh, offense, Blake Corum, he's not going to play, right? He is. Corum has been ruled out. He's having surgery. So yeah. that knee injury, so, he tried to play through it. Is he done something. for the year or is this just for the first game? No, he's done for the year. Okay. My understanding is he's done for the year. He's having knee surgery. And, and uh, so we probably, we might not even see him work out if he declares for the draft. 
He's only. Do you think he declares? You know, it's a good. It's a really good question because JJ McCarthy is only a true sophomore, I think. So there's, um, yeah, he's only a true sophomore because he he was uh, played senior year of high school in 2020 down at IMG. So this is a team that can stay together. They're going to lose some guys that we're talking about tonight, but the the thing is though, he's already been hurt. Corum has already been hurt now, and he. I don't know how much better of a season you can have than the one he put together. Well, also, I mean, they use him like a rented mule, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's he's the workhorse. He's it's not you know Muhammad Ibrahim levels of use the way PJ Fleck runs his his back thirty five times a game, but Quorum was the workhorse big time. Uh, but you see, and you see, they've got Edwards backing him up, and he looks pretty darn good. Too the last two games he played, he's been phenomenal. Broken off a lot of long runs. So, Corm's a coin flip to me because he seems like the type of guy. He's always got that smile on his face. He seems like a guy who just loves playing college football and loves Michigan. But also, he's got to think about the the fact that he might not have a better season than the one he had, and and he's got to think about his health. Getting a, taking a helmet to the knee there a couple games ago that caused him to miss the entire second half of that game, all of the Ohio State game, and uh, I mean virtually all of the Ohio State game and now now the playoffs. Ronnie Bell, fifth year, sixth year, I don't know, one of these guys. Bell's a guy who tore his knee up a couple of years ago and, and uh, has had to come back from that, so I suspect this is his last hurrah. Yeah, and I mean – He's he's gonna have to test well. He's he's Jag Central when you look at six foot one ninety. Yeah, early early career production was really good. He he really stood out as a sophomore, but then twenty twenty shortened season twenty twenty one tears his knee. This he had a good year coming back from the knee injury, but he's yeah, not, yeah, he's not what you would consider like a go to guy. And uh, I think he's he's a really good player. I think he's underrated and. He can cause custom problems. I don't think he's going to be a high draft pick, though. Probably, I think, like, fifth rounder later. Cornelius Johnson, 6'3", 210 pounds. A little bit more intriguing size athlete. Um, down production year. Is that McCarthy? Is that is that Johnson? Is that a combination of them? Uh, last year he had 40 for 627 this year he's got thirty for four sixty nine, so right around the same average. Uh, but he does have six touchdowns this year, which uh, doubled his career total. He had a huge game against Ohio State. A lot of that was poor um, defensive back play, but he was able to get deep on them. I think he's going to run well. I think he's he's going to be similar to Nico Collins the way he tests. He's not as not quite that big, but um, he should run in the four fours like high four fours. He's going to have a good vertical. He's a good athlete. So Cornelius Johnson, I would expect to enter the draft. But again, is he, you know, look at where Nico Collins went. I think he was 67 overall, somewhere in that ballpark. Johnson's going to be a later round pick than that. Unless he just does some freakish things at the combine. But I don't think he's going to have like a Chris Conley type of combine. that's going to, um, you know, overruled the production that he's had but to answer your question what was it mccarthy i think yes well it's just michigan football this is michigan wants to just 
pound it and you know let their lines dictate the action in the game and that's just the their winning formula power the last two years that's how they got to the playoffs two years in a row then let's talk about their tight end luke schoonmaker mm-hmm. um he he's going to be an intriguing one to follow because if he comes in at 65 250 he's prototype size he might be the best blocking tight end in the country um but he's not michael mayer he's not uh, the the georgia guys that are going to be eligible the next two years but we've seen production out of the stanford tight end well that jim harbaugh had could we start to see that from michigan um yeah good question i think you're going to – those Stanford guys were more athletic receivers than what I think you see from Schoonmaker and the way they use him. Um, to me, he looks like a blocking tight end, like a third – number three tight end that you put in and maybe eventually number two tight end. So he was, he's a late bloomer, I think. If you look at last year, the receiving tight end, Eric All, was the, the player that people were excited about when you're talking about pass catching, and he only played – he only caught three passes all year uh, this year. So Schoonmaker had to step in. And I think All's been injured, but it, I, don't quote me on that. But Schoonmaker had to step in and definitely had a pretty good year as a receiver. We hadn't seen him use that much before. I'm not sure how athletic he is, though. D- does he strike you as an athletic tight end or just – I just can't tell because, like you said, he just doesn't do anything but block. I mean, he had a good – season three yeah, he had like 35 catches yeah yeah and so that's the thing is like i think i think you've pegged him well as a tight end too but i i am interested to see what he uh ends up testing like because I, he could be interesting do you think uh their center Osagan Oloatumi comes out he's a fourth year senior transferred from virginia He's had a good year. You know, th- their their line in general is mostly uh, upperclassmen. Uh, Oluwatumi, Ryan Hayes, uh, Trevor Keegan, Zach Zenter is a junior, He's but draft eligible. Do you think that all these guys just come out or, like, outside of maybe Zenter that the, the, the seniors all come out? Carson Barnhart's the other one, sorry. Um, or, again, with all these rules and stuff, I mean, are there any that we need to know outside of maybe Olotumi? Uh, it's always good to know Michigan linemen because they always find a, a spot in the NFL. You see guys coming off their line going in the third, fourth, fifth rounds, and they end up being NFL starters. So it's a, it's a strong line. Michigan has a good strength and conditioning program. Uh, you named the the bigger names that people will know, but I'm sure we'll see some of these guys. I I do think they'll all come out if they're you know they've ex- nobody's exhausting their eligibility any anymore. We saw Miles Jones, who's like a seventh year defensive back from T- Texas A from Texas A and M, go into the transfer portal today. <laughs> so I don't know how many. I think you and I are anymore. talking about coming out, so we'll see. Yeah, I don't know what I could maybe long snapper. I have no idea what, what. But no, I think all these guys know them because this is a Michigan's kind of one of those schools. They play veteran linemen, and then those guys leave and they reload. Is and I want to any... clarify something on Eric All. 
I was correct. He he was injured, and actually, we found out on Monday that he is going into the transfer portal. So we won't see Eric Hall. He had surgery earlier in the year. I don't think he was going to play anyway, but it looks like he's going to transfer. We've talked about a couple of of uh, Michigan's best defensive prospects: DJ Turner, the corner. They list him at six foot one eighty. He's gonna. He's supposed to be a freak, right? Testing wise, speed wise, and change of direction. He's he's definitely. I think he was on the Feldman's uh, freak list. Uh, so we know him, um, and then Mazzy Smith is like supposed That's a guy to be you've next, talked about before. Yeah, supposed to be like the next Dontari Poe testing wise, six three three forty, but he's supposed to test like a Dontari Poe type of guy, um, which is you know always intriguing when you get a big big boy that <laughs> likes to move. I've got um, Mike Morris down. As a guy, yeah, that's what I was gonna ask. Mike Morris, six six two ninety. Um, their best pass rusher, probably by quite a bit. Seven and a half sacks this year, the most in his career. And I think that's the intriguing thing is that, you know, last year he only played, uh, about the same amount of snaps, but he had a half a sack. This year he's got seven and a half sacks. Um, is that jump concerning if he decides to come out? No, no. That when you look at the guys that were getting sacks last year, Aiden Hutchinson, David Ajabo, and um, we saw another player who had had transferred out of Michigan and gone to Wake in Luigi Villain. So this is a player who's just had to kind of wait his turn. But you look, you mentioned his size. He's more. He's a different size than those guys. He's got Hutchinson height, but he's got about 25 more pounds on him. So he's really this hybrid inside, outside five technique, you know, he might be scheme, scheme reliant, but we've seen, he's a player who looks like a Pittsburgh Steeler, a future Pittsburgh Steeler or New Orleans Saint. Those are the teams that get the most out of these guys as pass rushers. I think Mike Morris had a really good year. He's got, if he has a good playoff, it's going to go a long way. And we always, like I said, we always expect these Michigan guys to test pretty well. Their strength and conditioning is on par, um, lately at least, with these other big schools, Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama. It may, may not be uh, as consistent, but I think uh, you're not going to get some bad athletes out of Michigan. Anybody else that can really show, I mean, they're going to be good, don't get me wrong, but like outside of Turner, Morris, and and Smith, is there anybody else that's got a lot that they can show in these one to two chances? I think the big thing is, is is Michigan going to go out and beat TCU the way that I think people think they should? Um, That We saw what what they did once the wheels came off against uh, at Ohio State, when Ohio State just started imploding, Michigan went for the kill and just dominated at the line of scrimmage till the till that game ended. Um, I think we're going to see that kind of performance. You know, they they started a little bit slow against Purdue, but I think that's kind of and to then they ended up what forty four twenty three. Right, they just took a little while to get warmed up, and they really had nothing to gain or lose from from that game but it's they i know they wanted to win a big 10 championship and win uh their second in a row so they had that motivation it just took 
a little while to shake Purdue, but I knew eventually that it was just not going to, Purdue was not going to challenge them. And even if they had, we talked about last week, if they had pulled in a crazy upset, still wouldn't have knocked Michigan out. Georgia's the team to know they're probably going to have, I mean, depending on what happens with Jackson Smith and Jigba, you could see quite a few Ohio State guys. But they're going to be the team that's going to have a lot of uh, draft guys. Um, I mean, do you want to st- – their offense doesn't really have a ton that we need to discuss. Would you agree? I know that people like the running back Kenny McIntosh, and that was somebody that the national – the NFS scouting service preseason had Kenny McIntosh ranked as a potential top 25 player which we we thought was strange, but he's got that James Cook type of role this year with the team. Um, he's bigger than Cook, but he rushed for 709 yards and 10 TDs, and he caught 37 passes for 450 yards. So over, over 1,150 yards from scrimmage on the year. They've got a, you know, they've got a tandem backfield, you know, a whole stall of running backs, really. Dejan I know it's tough. I was going to say, Dejan. Yeah, they're they're tough with this because. These guys are I, all draft eligible, too. <laughs> right. They're, they're kind of like, and I'm not comparing them in this way, but they're kind of like Miami back in the day that had just all those running backs on the roster. The difference mm-hmm. is they use all of them at the same time, whereas like Miami featured one and then like brought the next one right. along slowly they're like here you're all just going to get 150 carries that's all we're going to do um you know yeah, their best so they got Macintosh Edwards Kendall Milton's the other one they're all draft eligible right i don't see i mean maybe Macintosh but i don't see any reason that that um Edwards or Milton come out but i mean i i, 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 I could see i could see it i mean you're talking about highly recruited guys this is a team that's going to lose a lot uh, of players. I was going to say a second quarterback, a, a potential second national championship. Right. It might be time for a lot of these guys to move on. I, I could see all three of them declaring. Honestly, the the nice thing is they don't have any receivers that we need to worry about. Unless Lad McConkey. I was going to say unless you think Lad McConkey's coming out, but he's listed as like a as a redshirt sophomore. He is. He's a redshirt sophomore, but he's. Uh, his name's also Lad McConkey, and he's yeah, but his dad he's, played in the NFL. He's legitimately one thousand percent Jag, uh, six foot one eighty. But he's got speed. He's got what about speed. what about Darnell Washington? Washington is like an extra tackle on the field for them, but he's also big time athlete. You saw what he he did. Uh, had his best year as a receiver so far this year. Twenty six catches. Averaging 16 yards a catch, you see what he the way he moves in the open field, and 275 pound guys shouldn't move like that. No, uh, I definitely no, think they he's he's going to declare, and I think some people will put him atop their tight end board. Even you know Michael Mayer seems like almost a consensus tight end one, but I've seen recently some some people like to dare to be different, and, and Darnell Washington might sneak atop some of these tight end boards. Broderick Jones and C- Cedric Van Pran, both on the offensive line. Uh, and Jones Bar- is it? Isn't Jones a redshirt sophomore too? Yeah, they're both going to get drafted probably in the top fifty, though. I've seen uh, since the Penn State kid, since Fashanu 
decided to go back and said he was going back. I've started to see Broderick Jones replace him early in those mocks where the, the, the guys were for Shauna. Isn't he like a giant or am I thinking of somebody else? I swore he's like six, six, like three. Well, one of the guys we didn't talk about for OSU is Dewan Jones. He's like six nine, three sixty. He's like Phil Lodeholt. So, uh, Broderick Jones, not he's more conventional, 6'4, 310 is what they list him at. So, he's actually more like Peter Skronsky size if, if we go by listed weight, listed height and weight. But again, the redshirt sophomore. But, um, yeah, you're right. He's, yeah, I mean, this was his I, first year as a, as a full time starter, right? He only started four games last year. Um, I mean. <sighs> We're going to talk about Stetson Bennett on the on the Patreon, so not much to really discuss with him. We can just know that Jim Nagy thinks he's great, and Jim Nagy said he's going to run the four fives. So we'll tease the Patreon show. I'll give you those couple of nuggets. Four five. That's that's not bad. He says he says fast. Uh, the Georgia defense is. Yeah, these guys just fly. It's it's crazy the speed that they have on defense and the guys. They don't have any draft eligible like off ball linebackers though, do they? I think they all came out last year. I know, and they're still that good. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. So let's just start from back to front. Um, Chris Smith and Tyke Smith. I don't think that they're related. Tyke was a transfer. I think yeah, he came to, over from West Virginia. Yeah, two safeties that are probably going to go in the top 100, which you just start there and you go, well, that's pretty freaking good, right? You, mm-hmm. you got two safeties that are probably going to go in the top 100, and then you're like, oh, you got the cornerback one in Keeley Ringo, who's might end up being one of the freakiest, could be one of the freakiest athletes we've ever seen um, when he comes out. They list him at 6'2", 205. Uh, he was allegedly a sub four four guy in high school, so it's going to be really intriguing when he comes. Yeah, they said he's. They now <laughs> they now list him at six two two fifteen. So he's like a linebacker, and he ran a ten four three forty in high school. And they've clocked him at almost 23 miles an hour on the GPS. So oh, we're and talking about a, a Jalen Ramsey type of prospect uh, from a height, weight, speed, athleticism right. standpoint. Yeah, he he won the five-star um, testing at Rivals as a high schooler, and he ran a 4.35. So he was like the fast one of the fastest corners and then uh so yeah and and he may not even be the first defensive player drafted uh because people love people love jalen carter yeah we've talked about this i I don't want to get too into the weeds again on this but about position value and from that standpoint but jalen carter uh there are some people that, that feel like he's going to be able to give you that pass rush from the interior um i'm not so sure and we you do have to look at college usage i think sometimes and we saw trayvon walker go number one overall and he's he's got one and a half sacks this year i'm not saying now i know he's made impacts in other ways 
but I think you just have to be a little bit careful and you know manage your expectations when a player is if you think a player is going to be asked to do something they haven't done a lot of in college. That being said, Carter has actually had a really he's had a better year this year than he had last year, which was very good as a sophomore key cog on a national championship team. People said they thought he would be better than Jordan Davis. It's going to be hard to match that level of athleticism, and we know he's not that size. But the impact that he's made, three sacks and seven tackles for loss in fewer games so far this year, because he was injured, uh, missed a couple games. And then you have, a, he's, as I talked about with Harrison, he's batted a couple passes at the line of scrimmage. That is impactful from a pass rush standpoint. He's also forced two fumbles. So he's had a really good year. I don't know if he's going to be top five. I think you, you do have to kind of manage your expectations. What is your opinion on Nolan Smith? I think Nolan Smith is, uh, he's going to be an absolute stud athlete. He was a player, I think, ran in the four fours coming out of high school and was the, uh, by some rankings, if not all, he was the number one overall pass rusher in that class and might have been the number one overall player in that class, if I recall correctly. So I was surprised he came back this year <laughs> after they won a national championship. I was surprised to see him come back. Uh, I'm not sure how helpful that was to him. Anything? Oh, I got a hot take for you before we get out of here. Well, Hold what on. do you think about Nolan Smith? Uh, I'm interested to see how he does against Paris Johnson Jr. I'm also interested to see how um, Keely Ringo matches up against Marvin Harrison Jr. That's so, going to be a heck of a matchup. Those those are going to be um, fun to watch. So, um, Nolan Smith's been injured. Do you think he's going to be? Able to play? I don't know. I mean, they got some weird stuff that they this do. This is one of the problems with the college football. We don't get Georgia. good injury information in the season, but he's got a, a pectoral injury, so I'm not sure he's even going to be able to play. I hope so. So I mean, like I said, 25 days not a lot of time. I'm. I'm. I know this is going to be. Uh, you have to look at the source on these tweets you know, and, and whatever. It, it It is interesting, though, because Tennessee fans are probably semi-rightfully up in arms that Stetson Bennett is a Heisman finalist. And uh, Zach, at Zach TNT, um, he looks like a guy, yeah, A to Z sports, I'm not familiar with that, it's a Nashville-based uh, entity. Um, he tweeted out, Stetson Bennett, 3,600 total yards, 27 total touchdowns, and six interceptions. Hendon Hooker, 3,500 total yards, 32 total touchdowns, and two interceptions in two fewer games. Um, pretty obvious which one deserves to be a finalist. Voters got it wrong. And then Wes Rucker of 24-7 Sports, again, another Vols guy, uh, followed that up with Stetson Bennett wasn't even the second-team all-SEC quarterback. Love the kid, inspirational story, but his QB rating was more than 20 points lower than Hendon Hooker's. Even in an all-time tough year for Heisman voting, him being a finalist is yikes. 
Well, we, we're going to have to get into this a little bit tonight, but we want to get more into it. Um, but I, I kind of saw this coming that Stetson Bennett was going to, and, and I think that's something you and I and a couple of Kyle Posey and, and our buddy Chad Dinkins talked about in our group text where we, we were like, at some point you, you might see the quarterback for the potential national championship winning team appear in the Heisman talks. So, um, you know, to me, it's, I don't really have a problem with it. I I guess Hooker getting hurt in the last taste you got of him was, was that bad loss to South Carolina. I think he had a great year and he got deserved recognition. He's, he would have been a senior bowl guy for sure, but, uh, it's, I don't think it's anything to get up in arms in because A, I don't think Hooker would have won. And B, I don't think Stetson Bennett's gonna win. I don't know who's gonna win. I was it was slam dunk Caleb Williams and and he performed well enough and was mm-hmm. gutsy enough with that popped hamstring that I think he can still win it. But I feel like a lot of voters feel like they have the excuse and the ability this year. To give it to Stetson Bennett. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I could be wrong. I was definitely wrong about who made the playoffs. Um, So I could be wrong about this one, too. But it doesn't feel like... It would almost feel like... that's Man, it's going back a ways. And it's not this crazy. When you If you look up Eric Crouch the year he won. But it almost feels like... In the the modern game, the way it's played. And the the way stats have just blown up. It's kind of that way. I thought you were going to go with Jason White. Jason, yeah, Jason White's another good one. Um, remember, they didn't they give it to Chris Winkie? Yeah, yeah, but and that's actually probably the closest one. You know, like a an old dude who's playing on a national, like leading a national championship team. Mm-hmm. He won the two thousand Heisman. He threw for a lot more yards. Uh, I was going to say, but he only threw for thirty three touchdowns, and he had eleven interceptions. Yeah. And a 61% completion percentage. Well, uh, quarterbacks have gotten like, so much better. Well, I mean, no, to be fair, I mean, it was his age. Yeah, he was ex- he was seasoned by his years <laughs> in the minor leagues. Um, update, Nolan Smith is indeed, I double-checked on that, he is expected to miss the games. He's oh, okay. not expected to play again this year. Have we ever seen a quarterback only throw for 20 touchdowns and win a Heisman, though? Eric Crouch had like nine. Yeah, but he had like 900 rushing touchdowns, didn't he? <laughs> well, I told you, Nagy said he, this guy can run at 4-5. Oh, so maybe he should have been a option quarterback? <laughs> In the old days, I think that he probably would have. Yeah. But I think we, we, we actually, way back, I think it was a Patreon episode, we, we talked about how Stetson Bennett was like starting to catch fire in the draft, in the draft, Nick space you know it wasn't just naggy it was other people saying like well you gotta look out for this guy even though he's gonna be 26 i think yeah he was born in 1997 he's gonna be 26 i, I thought he's you guys were um could have yeah i gotta i gotta check out my yearbook <laughs> um no he's not that old don't don't uh put that on him but he probably has he might be starting to get a couple grays he might be starting to get, get that row gain at the Walgreens, you know, 
those kind of things that that happen when you get to be that age. But, By the way, I I, I want to give the counter argument for Bennett. Um, Stetson Bennett has thirty one hundred passing yards this year mm-hmm. in in the first three quarters of games. Right. He only has three hundred twenty one passing yards in the fourth quarter all season. Okay, so there you have it. He's they're blowing everybody out while he's in the game, and I think he's to me he's definitely posting bigger passing numbers. Like you look at week one right off the jump um, against Oregon, he threw for three hundred sixty eight yards. Threw for three hundred the next week it was Samford, but I'm sure he played like a half. Uh, three hundred twelve against Mizzou, which was a Tough D and gave some teams problems. Three three hundred sixteen against Florida. Uh, that's that was probably one of his worst games though. He only completed fifty percent and threw a couple picks. And then, um, you know, down the stretch he didn't have to throw as much because they were just beating teams to a pulp. So, uh, good counter argument. And I think that's probably what you, you know <laughs> you're going to see some voters do. This is going to be a close one. Um, I, I literally have no idea who, who's going to win this one. Like, none whatsoever. I just have a feeling that Stroud's going to be fourth. You think it's still going to go to Williams? Yeah, I think it'll be Williams. I think it'd be Williams, Duggan, Bennett, Stroud. Are you surprised Bijan's not there, or is that the fact that Texas just is... It's all about the record now. I liked it in the old days, man, when they would, like, a guy like Steve McNair could get in right. and get talked about. Or Andre Ware. You know, you don't get that anymore. Well, we're going to be back to talk about the four Heisman finalists, and we're going to discuss where they're at in the this 2023 NFL draft. And, and it's going to be a fun discussion because I don't think that we like any of them. Oh wait, I we like them all. Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> and we're also going to talk about. Don't think we spoiled all our material tonight talking about Heisman. We're going to talk about the players that announced that they are skipping bowl games. We already talked about Jackson Smith and Jigba for injury reasons, but a bunch more names are coming. And by the time we do the Patreon show, we'll probably have even more names. So um, tune in for that. As Seth said, two bucks a month gets you access to all of our bonus episodes. Some articles and four bucks a month gets you access to every single thing we've ever done. The holidays coming up. Get yourself a Christmas present. Get some a uh, Christmas present for somebody that you know that likes NFL draft talk and likes to talk about college football, NFL bowl games, and all that good stuff. Thanks for listening. As always, we'll be back later this week with a Patreon episode. Have a good night, everybody. We need to do an outro at some point. That just something kind of what I hear in other shows is where they're like, uh, you know, uh, subscribe and give us a five star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's two dollars a month for our bonus episodes. Four dollars a month for all additional content. Something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That could be it right a, there. A read. Yeah, that's it. Right there. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs>